Bibles tonight, Second Chronicles, Book of Second Chronicles, very famous passage, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I love how calm Brother Kenneth always stays. He just uh, his heart wasn't even beating fast whenever he got up to share a portion in song and. Uh, I pick at him because he tells me about how nervous he gets. And uh, you did an awesome job, Kenneth. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm reminded, I just got through uh, listening to a 
a great book. I, I listen to books and the Bible whenever I walk or jog. And uh, Jim Calhoun, the coach at Connecticut, and uh, just listen to his book. Uh, he's a Boston guy, a Boston guy. He speaks with a very, he read his own book. A lot of audio books are read by the author. And uh, he speaks with that Boston accent. And he was telling about getting back to the basics. And he quoted the very famous getting back to the basics sports quote, which whenever the Green Bay Packers coached by the famous Vince Lombardi had lost a game and he went into the locker room and he held up an object and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And we have to start all over. Let's just, just get back to the basics. And sometimes I think, especially us, the Sunday night crowd, we have been saved a long time, or we go to church pretty much every time the doors are open. And But sometimes, just because we're so familiar with the Bible, and we're so familiar with the Lord, that sometimes it's easy to get away from the basics. The basics that got us here. In sports, how do we tackle? How do you swing a bat? How do you shoot a basketball? In Christianity, how do you pray? How do you seek God? How do you maintain your relationship with the one who saved you? How do you keep that intact? Listen, if it's work... In our sinful body, I guarantee you this, anybody who's been married for very long, you know that it's work. There's work in a marriage. There's work in raising kids. A lot of people say, well, I didn't know it was this much work. That's why grandparents said if I could have the grandkids first, I would have done that because they're less work. There's a lot of work in raising kids. Today, I think about how how much uh, grandparents are called upon sometimes to work and raise their grandkids because the kids may not know how, or the kids may be working so hard in their secular job they they may not have time. And uh, a lot of times, this old sinful world, there's not a perfect, there's no such thing as perfect families, anyhow. But in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, the very famous verse, getting back to the basics, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Let's just stop right there. Shall humble themselves and pray. In other words, that really the only prayer that matters, the only prayer that matters is an humble prayer. A prayer where people are broken and humble. Talked about that a little bit in our Bible study earlier. But have you ever thought about that? If the Bible is true, and obviously it is, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So according to this, 
If we pray and we have any pride in us, if we're not broken, God just, he just talked to the hand. Talk to the hand because I'm not listening to your prayer. If we're not broken and humble, so it says right there, doesn't say proud people are called by my name, but it says, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, which tells me this. That if I'm going to get back to the basics, I've got to remember that no matter how long I've been saved, no matter how long I've been coming to church, no matter my condition, my age, my experience, my anything, if I don't remain humble, broken, and tell God every day, I am a sinner and I need you to forgive me of my sins, then we've got away from the basics And the basics don't, I mean, we're not going to have a church or a home or a family. Uh, We were at the uh, National Archery thing uh, where all the Hamburg people, and I picked up a book, and uh, pretty neat. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, Uh, just like four Six pages or something like that. And it says the doorkeeper. Picture of a man and his wife and his three children. Become the husband and father God wants you to be. By Sonny Guest, the author lives in Palestine, Texas. Avid bow hunter, musician, and fulfill their God-given role of being spiritual leaders in a home. And, you know... If God is wanting us to be a doorkeeper, if He wants us to fulfill, think about that. If if God wants us to fulfill the role that He has for us, no matter no matter your age, no matter your life's station, whatever wherever and whatever your situation in life, God has a role for you to be a mentor, to be an example. Head now to speaking, I mean, just getting back to the basics, we're just going to look at some basic scriptures, and this is one of the most basic ones. A lot of times this is a revival scripture. Why is it a revival scripture? Folks, you can't have revival unless you get back to the basics. You can't have a, uh, you can't, you can't repent unless you get back to the basics. You can't have forgiveness of sin unless you get back to the basics. And n- folks, none of us got saved without getting to the basics. Head now to Psalms 51. Psalm 51, of course, immediately. If you know this passage, you immediately said in your mind, Psalm 51, oh yeah, that's David's prayer. When he was caught in his sin with Bathsheba, folks, if there ever was a prayer of getting back to the basics and thinking of our church. We can't let, and boy, this morning was such a great service, great fellowship, great worship, and it all would would just very, it's great to have our guests, our visitors, to be here in our midst this morning and to share that experience with them this morning. And I'm, I'm thankful, but we can't take it for granted. 
Every opportunity you and I have is an opportunity to show love and Jesus to other people. I heard a lot of good compliments from our guests this morning. They were saying, oh, sure did enjoy the service, enjoyed the worship. The young men did a great job. All the specials that were saying, Jordan, the choir, it all was great. We should never take that for granted because we are representing Christ to everybody we encounter this week. In Psalm 51, this getting back to the basics, David praying, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy, the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, folks, as I read this, we know this fellow here was definite. He was caught. And a lot of times the only time we have a confession like this is when we're caught. But, folks, all of us are guilty before God. I've preached this before, and matter of fact, 90% of us in this room, 90% of us in this room are guilty before God for a sin called pride. We all have it, and you know, and I'm just throwing that number out there, I think 90% is pretty safe because I'm guilty of pride. You know, but the thing is, when I, when I catch myself, I realize, man, that was a, a prideful statement. Or I may not, nobody may know, but me and God, I may think myself better than somebody else. Just, it may pop in my brain. And I may say, well, nah, I know where they are at, and I know where I am. And a lot of times we'll do that. We'll do, we'll do it this way. We'll do it this way. And we don't mean to. We don't mean to, but our sin kind of wells up inside of us and and we'll say, well, and it may be accurate, but it just leaks into pride. Well, you know what? I I know my, my relationship with the Lord and I'm closer to the Lord than they are or something to that nature. We, you may say, look at ourself as closer to the Lord than somebody else. And we think of ourselves, but what happens is, is I get to thinking, and, but th- does that make me any better than anybody? Yeah. Does that make me better? But it doesn't. It does, even if, even, listen to me, even if I'm closer to God than somebody else, it doesn't make me any better than anybody else. That's, isn't that a pride thing? And it comes easy with my flesh. My flesh thinks it. I grab on to it, and then I say, well, listen, I cannot grab on to that because I'm not any better than anybody else. Okay? Keep going. Skip on down in just a second, uh, just a few verses, excuse me. He's begging, he's pleading, verse 7, Psalm 51, verse 7. He's asking, God, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean 
Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken. And again, notice this, that brokenness comes from what God is doing in us. Notice it says, before I can have joy, I've got to be broken. Before I can have joy in my heart, I've got to have this. And then it says, verse 9, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Redneck version of of that verse, redneck version of verse 9, I'm ashamed. And only God may see it in your life. God may be the only one that says you have pride in your heart. And what does David say here? When he says, hide thy face, what does it mean? I don't want you to see it. I don't want you to look at it. A lot of times we're ashamed. We should be. There is no shame today. There used to be shame for sin, but there's not today. And then the most famous verse in this, skipping down to verse 12. Now, two parts to this. If you compare verse 8 to verse 12, it's talking about there's joy that's lost. In verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, of course, if you do this, now we just, I just want to keep you a few more minutes in this basics. Getting back to the basics. As I think about this, getting back to the basics, here's where we're going to run to. In verse 12, when he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So I, I did all this. I humble myself. I, I look at my sin. I look at my own life. I look at what's, if there's anything wrong. I see if there's any pride. I get, this is a football. How did I get saved? I prayed and asked God to come into my life. Oh, now I've got to deal with sin. Now I realize that I'm, I'm a, just a sinner saved by grace. I'm not any better than anybody else. And we can forget about me trying to be perfect, but I need to, the only righteousness I have is Jesus Christ. And if we ever mess up in our life, our joy is robbed because of sin. Sin robs joy. Now listen, when I pour it out, how do I get it back? I pour out my heart. I pour out my life. Lord, forgive me. Humble me. I'm a sinner. Verse 12, restore to me joy of thy salvation. Verse 13, there's a then. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. If I'm going to do that, now here's where I want you to head. Because what am, you and I today, now Old Testament tells you, I'm going to tell people about God, Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, all that, the law. But now we're living in the New Testament. What is the gospel? I'm going to teach sinners what? I'm going to teach transgressors what? Well, I'm going to teach them 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. This is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. This is the good news. 
Now listen, getting back to the basics. Number one, remember what got you here. Remember when you were saved. Remember your joy. And if you don't have any, A, sin has robbed it, or B, you never had it. Amen or oh me. If you don't have any joy right now, sin has robbed it, or B, you never had any. There's no other answer. So I've got to do what got me here again. Now I'm not something, y'all know I'm not talking about being saved again, but praying, humbly, broken, God, I'm a sinner. Keep me focused on you. This is a football. This is a Bible. I prayed to get saved. I gotta pray to get the joy back. And notice it said, didn't say restoring to me the joy of my salvation. It says restoring to me the joy of thy salvation because he's the one that gave it to you. You didn't save yourself. You can check me on it. I'm right. The Bible says it. Restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. So, and oh, by the way, if you're really saved, if you really have your joy, folks, listen to me very closely. Why? Think, I mean, just, I love this logic. I love it when the Bible just comes alive. Do y'all think it's by accident that David goes, Psalm 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. If you really have joy, do you want to tell anybody about it? I mean, I mean, I love it when I find a good deal. Brother Ed, I love to, to find a savings. You know, you know, ex, you know, my wife says she found something on sale and how much money it saves me. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, so find something on sale and how much money. And so you get excited about a good sale and how much money. And think of something that gives you joy. I don't care if it's banana pudding. You know, did you see the size of that three foot banana pudding and all that dessert and food? We saw, you know, we, you can get excited about fishing. You can get excited about a sale. You can get excited about banana pudding. But folks, if you have joy, I don't think it's an accident. That God's Word said in the very next verse, Then I'll tell others about Him. Then I will share the good news. And folks, there's no better Scripture than than explaining what is the good news than 1 Corinthians 15, which says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also you've received, and wherein you stand. Not only do I believe it, remember me talking about standing? Elijah said, "Before I tell you the message of the Lord before whom I stand. And according to the gospel, it says here, wherein you stand. Stand in what? The gospel, which is, by which also you're saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first. Now, Paul's going to say, this is the gospel. In verse 3 and 4, explain it. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried. And He rose again 
the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. And the Gospel, Evangelion, where we get our word evangelism, the good news, the Gospel, according to Matthew, the Gospel, according to Mark, Luke, and John, the good news, and that was the definition that I just read to you, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again according to the Scriptures. By the way, back to that other basic text. After you restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, then I will tell other church members about you. Then will I tell other Christians about you. No, what did verse 13 say back in Psalm 51? Then will I teach transgressors, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So who does he tell? The lost. The lost. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Would you just say, Lord, help me to get back to the basics. Back to the basics. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and just talk about the simplicity of your word. There are so many things that uh, we could dig into and call it deep theology, but dear Lord, let us not forget the basics. Let us not forget what got us here. May, if there's any, if we have lost the joy of our salvation, dear Lord, I know that I can get my eyes off of you. I can get them focused just on going through the motions, on people, and pleasing people, and living for people. But, dear Lord, help us to not please people, but to please you. Not to live for each other, but to live for you. And everything else will fall into place. Father, thank You for giving us this opportunity tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen.